Let's talk about mooting. It's a word that every future barrister will hear early and often on their journey. Or one that they should hear is the correct thing to say here. What is it? How should you do it? Where do you even start? And is it worth it if you don't get any awards in the process? I will speak on my mooting experiences, of course, the highs and the lows as we dive into all things mooting. Welcome to the Future Barrister Podcast. I am your host, Neve, and we release a podcast every week to support future barristers as they navigate the good, the bad, and the ugly on their journey to qualifying. Let's just get right into it. As usual, remember that you can also access this podcast on our YouTube channel at Align the Bar, where I will have inserts of the material that we're discussing. So, what is mooting? The University of Oxford definition is good enough for me. So it states that a moot court competition simulates a court hearing, usually an appeal against a final decision in which participants analyze a problem, research the relevant law, prepare written submissions, and present oral arguments. Moot problems are typically set in areas of law that are unsettled or that have been subject to recent developments. They usually involve two grounds of appeal argued by each side, end of quote. And I got that from the website. So what happens usually is that you and your mooting partner would be given a legal problem, and that can be in any area of the law. One side would be the appellant and the other side would be the respondent. You will be required to research the area, apply the knowledge to the particular problem, and specifically show how the research supports your argument or your submission. Research skills are needed here because you will need to use the case which is binding on the courts in the matter. So what is the case which carries the greatest authority? Um, you don't want to use a case which has already been overridden in the matter that you're you know, researching and dealing with. The format itself is very specific and you will need to present your case in what is called a bundle. This would generally include your skeleton argument, which you can Google what that looks like. I will insert one from a past moot later on for those on our YouTube channel. Um, So your skeleton arguments would be in the bundle and a printout of the cases that you are using to support your arguments. I remember wanting to get involved in mooting so much and then actually getting involved and it's just never lost on me, you know, how some words were simply foreign. So I'm just going to explain what a bundle is. It, it really is just a binder um, with the items that I just mentioned. So it's your skeleton argument, which is a typed up document, which you prepare in a very specific format again. So you would get assistance with that in the moot or you would know what that looks like in the moot. And uh, the cases which you're using to support your case, um, your submissions, that would be to the back of the skeleton argument and everything is placed in the binder. Usually you prepare three of those, one for the judge, one for the, well, judges, judge or judges, one for your opponents and one for yourself. These can be printed or they can be e-bundles depending on the rules of the competition. I <laughs> I suspect with COVID, that means almost everything will be e-bundles now. 
So as you prepare for the actual presentation, you may want to take the judges to a location in your bundle. And that's why you'll usually see tabs and highlighting in a bundle because then it just makes it very easy to access it while you're actually on your feet. Uh, some people swear by learning their skeleton argument like a script and some people simply learn the main points. It's not wrong to look at your bundle while you're speaking, but you shouldn't be reading your bundle the entire time. I scripted my personal copy. That's what I did, even if I didn't try to memorize it, but I scripted it. Uh, so it will have the greeting and everything just as a guide. And in case I'm having a moment and I freeze, you know, I can just have a look at, at what I have on my people. I will insert one from a past mood here for those on the YouTube channel, uh, but I'm going to read it out. So my personal copy would actually have everything. And I quote, it would have, I am Neve Antoine and along with my learned friend, Buke Odegan, uh, we appear on behalf of the appellant in today's proceedings. The respondent is re represented by Habana Cabana and Patti Mati. We will submit two grounds of appeal on behalf of our clients, presenting arguments in support of the court, finding an injustice in the previous judgments, and allowing this appeal. I will address the I will address the first um, ground, and Miss Odegan will address the second ground. So what I just read is what I would have on my script, but I wouldn't be reading it. But I just have it as you know little pointers to look at while I'm reading it. Um, so that was from an actual mood that I did with BBP. And yes, my surname is different because it was different at the time. So you practice a few different versions of your pre presentation, because even if you are allowed five minutes or eight minutes, you know, the judges may be particularly interactive on that day and you will need to use maybe two minutes to highlight your strongest points and represent your client just as well. So the lead for the side will usually have a few more minutes than the junior, but practice many different versions so that you're more prepared. So the last bits I will touch on before we move on to the next part of the podcast is the format on the actual day. <clears throat> the judge enters, the judge will bow when he gets to his seat, he or she or they. Um, the motors will bow almost simultaneously. The court clerk will announce the case. And sometimes the motors, um, example, the appellant represented by XX University. So the court clerk might just announce the case or he might announce the case and the motors. Then the lead appellant will then sometimes, um, the lead appellant will start when it's time to start. And they will introduce just like I just did a while ago. Say hi, um, um, not hi, definitely not hi. Um, may it please the court. I am Neve Antoine and this is my learned friend representing the appellant, etc., etc., etc. After that happens, the judge may interrupt you to ask questions while you're presenting or they may do it at the end and they will do it each individual person <coughs> excuse me the court will adjourn at the end uh, and then the judge judge will return to deliver a brief judgment and some feedback and because it's a competition and, and they know it's students they will give you feedback most times on what you could have done better or sometimes they will reserve it and give it to the organizer who can then pass that information on to you because it's a competition and you're learning so obviously they want you to get better and to improve in terms of dressing, it's as you would expect. Courtwear, so suits or dresses, dark colors and white shirts. Some competitions would be very specific. I remember I had just one black dress, which I think I bought at a thrift store for three pounds. 
um, and then a few others over the years. So that was that. That was basically my mooting wear. Nothing expensive, and I think I probably just got rid of these maybe last year. And when I say got rid, you drop it off at a charity shop. Um, so the cycle, the beautiful cycle, continues. Uh, to date, I have mooted at my past university. I have mooted with other universities in London in something that was called the Mooting League, which was all the universities within London mooting among each other. I have done some advocacy work at Grace Inn and also internationally in Belarus. I have not always done this well. And then at other times, I have been excellent. Um, so one time that I was not the best mooting partner is during a time where I was clearly overworked. And I had taken on more than I could handle. It meant that I could not carry out proper research, which meant that my partner carried most of the weight. And I'm sure we would have made it to the finals if I had more time or I had respectfully found somebody to take my place or given up something, you know. It was a costly lesson in, in time management and not the kind of person you would have wanted to be your mooting partner at the time. Later down the line, I put what I had learned into practice and my partner and I made it to the finals of a highly competitive moot in Belarus um, on the laws of war, an area which was new to both of us, but one we both ended up absolutely loving. And that, as I promised, is a podcast all on its own, you know, <laughs> getting the legal problem at midnight and needing to be ready to argue by morning and giving advice to persons on the UN you know, just very, a lot of fun. So just fun times. Now let's get into really the meat of today's podcast. Why is it important for a future barrister to engage in mooting? And uh, here are five reasons I think every law student should moot. Number one, advocacy. Some people are natural public speakers and they may still struggle to present an argument effectively. In the UK, definitely it takes intentional development of this skill to be effective. Uh, this can be contrasted with other countries where, as TV drama would indicate, delivery can be a little bit more dramatic, like I object and, you know, this kind of things. So you don't say that in an English court. So fun facts, well, actually an embarrassing fact is... I took part in an introduction to mooting session at my university. I was so eager and so excited <coughs> excuse me, to get involved. But like I said, I knew nada and probably could have done a little bit more research before the session. So at the end of my presentation, I said with all the flair you can imagine, and with this, I rest my case. <laughs> You know, the facilitators were so kind to just correct me and how they didn't burst out laughing is, is still beyond me to this day. Uh, but again, that's to say, don't be scared to try new things. Don't be embarrassed to be the novice in the room. Um, don't be afraid to get it wrong. When you let go of the what if I'm ashamed mentality, the world and learning becomes a beautiful thing. You know, it's unlikely that you will find a chamber uh, or law firm that will not require an applicant for a barrister position to have mooted or done some form of advocacy at least once. So this does not mean that you cannot secure a privilege without having done any mooting. Uh, but with the fierceness of the competition, it's, it's one of the best ways to demonstrate advocacy skills. Number two. <coughs> oh, pardon me. Prizes and awards. 
When you apply for pupillage, applications are sifted initially to determine who will be invited to interview for the position. Some chambers will allocate points based on the number of degrees completed and awards, etc. Um, mooting awards form part of that consideration. So aiming for an award is a good thing. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, actually. It's good to set goals. However, remember the experience itself is prime real estate on your legal portfolio. And there's always something to learn from each competition. Enjoy the experience, the research, formulating your arguments, challenging yourself to speak in front of people. You know, the judges' questions in itself, they can be tough. <clears throat> and most times, <coughs> sorry, most times they are senior judges, barristers, and other legal scholars. So getting the right answer is important, but they also want to see if you can think on your feet, articulate an answer. And, you know, sometimes the judge who actually seems to be badgering you is just really impressed with your research, uh, your application and your delivery. So don't take that to be a bad thing and just keep at it. Maybe, it, it, I mean, it could mean that he doesn't understand what you're saying and you're having a bad day. But even then, use it as a learning experience. You cry if you need to cry afterwards. Um, but yeah, take, you have taken the time to enter the competition. You've prepared, you've stood in front of people, strangers, and you've argued your case. Let me tell you, this is not for the faint of heart. So well done you for even trying. Um, number three, barrister or solicitor. <clears throat> so this is probably, <coughs> I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, this has been the reason this podcast has been a bit delayed. <clears throat> okay. So number three, barrister or solicitor. So uh, this is probably one of the best ways to identify which branch of the legal profession that is the strongest match for you. So in the United Kingdom, for those who don't know, barristers appear in court whereas solicitors advise and interview clients. Of course, the roles are, you know, much more crossed right now, but this is the general position. Students who possess a fear of public speaking should note that I've been told of, I mean, formidable barristers who experience physical manifestations of fear before every court appearance. But... So that is not an indication that you're not a good match. What I would say is, I mean, do you enjoy it? After, after that session has passed and you're now getting into it, do you enjoy it after you get into the heart of it? Only one way to find out, get involved in mooting and see how you feel. Not one way, but a good way. <laughs> mooting is one of the best ways to know if you actually will enjoy being a barrister. It must be said though that a lot of mooting problems will be at the appeal level, whereas as a pupil barrister or junior barrister, it will be unlikely that you will appear at that level and in these courts. However, the process of researching and analyzing cases, formulating arguments, public speaking, learning court process and etiquette, all of these things are it's just a wonderful introduction to the work of a barrister. Further, you will learn how you handle wins and losses. There's no time like the present to begin to learn about yourself and begin to find effective self-care habits because you won't win every case. So winning and losing gracefully is a skill. They both, they both of them take a skill. Uh, so mooting is a wonderful way to get into that. <clears throat> Number four, the law itself. 
you are exposed to many different areas of the law and you learn, you begin to learn which ones you have a greater liking for and which ones are quite easy for you to understand. It's advised here though that caution should be taken not to align yourself to a specific area at this point just because you like it. Uh, Many barristers will tell you that they just fell into the areas that they now specialize in. But still, a really good way of getting hands-on knowledge on the different areas of law. Also, legal research and reasoning, the development of these skills while you're moting will determine your ability to represent your client effectively. Also, the focus on the points of law is quite exhilarating and a great way to step out of the classroom structure of Iraq. If you know, you know, you know, issue, (laughs) rule, apply, conclude, repeat. Uh, So it's just a nice break from the norm. Number five, that's the final reason I think that all law students should moot. Professional and personal development. The cases can be extremely long and chances are you will need to read a few of them. So therefore, mooting demonstrates that you can manage your time well as you'd be studying and maybe working as well. So mooting is a great way to to develop soft skills and meet new people. Students will be your colleagues in a few years and legal professionals such as barristers who are always eager in my experience upon request to allow some shadowing for a day or two if possible. I have some really good friends who I met from mooting, barristers, tutors, lecturers, legal professionals, and persons that I I found from mooting, just mooting partners um, and opponents, you know. How do I get involved as a beginner? You can get involved through your university's bar and law societies, your in and our good friend, Google. (laughs) Um, A Google search will provide lots of current competitions and the criteria, so check these out. As a beginner though, I would recommend your university. If your university does not have these societies, then start one. Get somebody to come on and show you how to moot and prepare a legal problem for you. Don't forget your lecturers may be quite eager and excited, you know, to get involved. Also, LinkedIn is a really good resource for connecting with barristers who you can ask for assistance in that area. You know, um, in closing, I will say that mooting problems will usually be based on the core modules. So contract, criminal and tort law, unless it's a very specific competition like employment law or sports law you know, um, medical law, something like that. It's an excellent way to dabble into the various areas. And if you have not covered the topic yet, you know, at uni, then you'll be a few steps ahead of the game. If you like to travel, there's always international opportunities throughout the year. As I've said, in 2016, I got to go to, you know, meet the lovely people of Minx Belarus. And we'll talk about that, like I said, in another podcast. So if you have not started moting, there's no time like the present. Remember that we are a support system and nothing we share here constitutes or can be taken as legal advice. We are just a support system and you can reach us as usual at info at alignthebar.co, I-N-F-O at A-L-I-G-N-T-H-E-B-A-R dot C-O. And um, to our YouTube community, you can click on the, you know, subscribe button and comment down below. So thank you so much for joining us.